Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler. My guest this week is Jenna Burkett, the USA wrestling star who has recently won a medal at the World Championship and came oh so close to the Tokyo Olympics. She made it to the final of the U.S. Olympic trial and got beaten by the reigning gold medalist from uh, the Rio Olympic Games. Jenna talks with me about a bunch of things, about being married and her relationship with her wife, about going to high school in the Upper Peninsula where my husband went to school, and finding really widespread acceptance in a, one of the most rural areas of the country. And she also talks about her hopes and dreams for sports ahead. Um, you know, it, it's so interesting. She, like Kayla Miracle, talked about with us, uh, you know, a few months ago. She wrestled boys for so much of her early life. And eventually, um, when high school hit, she couldn't compete with the boys anymore. And when she started wrestling the girls, she found the, the girls were really good. In fact, she shares a story of her, her first loss ever, which is a, it's a pretty fun story. But anyhow, she, she talks about life ahead in the world of women's wrestling, her hopes to win a medal at the Paris Olympics, which is going to be in less than three years. And I just I love this lively conversation with Jenna and appreciate her joining. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with USA wrestler Jenna Burkett. Jenna, thank you so much for joining me. And I know that you are a wrestler, but if you could be in the Olympics, there's another sport that you'd rather be competing in. There really is a hundred percent. So, um, I always wanted to be an Olympic figure skater. I actually, when I first saw the Olympics on TV, it was the winter Olympics. So that was, uh, my true inspiration. <laughs> I knew I'd get the Olympics. I just didn't know, you know, what sport maybe. <laughs> on your, you are a wrestler and on your Twitter, you've had pinned for five years, uh, a, a tweet that says, be a great wrestler, but be a great human too. Tell me about that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, why I tweeted it years ago is because I feel like we, in the sports world, I feel like athletes get so caught up into tunnel vision, being a great athlete that we forget that, you know, we got to be great humans too, like off the mat, off the field, whatever it is. Like I pride myself in, you know, representing myself in all walks of life. Right. I can't just be a good person on the mat or this and that I try to, right. I'm not perfect, but I really try to live by that pin tweet because it does, uh, it does speak volume to me. What are some of the things that you're passionate about? What, like what, what equals being a great human to you? You know, I, um, in, in more recent time, uh, since I lost my mom just a few months ago, I have been trying to, kind of go out of my way just to talk to people. I feel like sometimes we go about our days just being so tunnel vision on doing our daily activities. So I try to go out of my way, whether it's the grocery store or 
in the airport and just to genuinely talk to people, uh, ask them a question and just have that interaction. Cause I feel like sometimes we're so glued to our phone. We go into a store with our list, but I would say that human interaction, cause I, we need more of it. And then that sparks the conversation. Like I, I saw something on TikTok. It was like trending. It was like, just give somebody a random compliment. And I try to do that at least weekly, just a random compliment. And I did it actually leaving world championships. I saw this woman with like this cat shirt on it. And I was like, I really like that shirt. It was, you know, it's funny to me. And she looked at me and she's like, wow, sometimes, sometimes you just really need that. Uh, and it really was like, it was a nice moment because, you know, she must've needed that. I like, I needed that. Like, it was just nice to have that interaction. So, yeah. It's amazing how, you know, I expected you to talk about, you know, supporting LGBTQ youth or saving dogs or, you know, something like that. But no, it's just, it's just like kind of being nice to people and talking to people and, and offering them a smile. And you're right that, that we forget that, that, that little stuff actually means a ton to us beyond the big issues to face. And we, I, I yeah, you're right. I, I do that way too little. Yeah, I think it's it's nice to start in a simpler way because I feel like sometimes it's overwhelming to feel like we got to do these grand gestures and it almost feels unattainable. So I feel like that's giving a compliment or just sparking conversation. That's so easy. And it's something you can literally do every day, you know? Yeah, I, I was in the line at the grocery store last week, I remember. And this, the guy at the check stand was so slow. And I, you know, look at my phone you know, I got to get here and it felt my blood starting to boil. And then I was like, wait a second, Sid, you could take an extra 60 seconds. This is not that big of a deal. Right. Instead of, why don't you be really nice to him and ask him how his day is. And that felt a lot better than getting mad or, you know, throwing things around. Yeah. You just forget that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. You're married. Do you, are you present with that on a daily basis with your wife? Like, what do you mean? Uh, Present with making sure that you offer a compliment and take a deep breath and maybe don't explode at something that you might have otherwise. Yeah, I definitely need to uh, practice it more. I think, especially around um, competitions and making weight and things like that, I 100% need to do better there. It's it's so easy, like just getting caught up and like, oh, this is my routine. This is how it's got to be and whatnot. Um, so yeah, you know, I definitely need to improve, but I try to. Yeah, my wife's way better at that than me. That's for sure. <laughs> Does she make you a better person? Oh my God. In every, in every aspect of it, she hundred percent makes me a better person. And just, you know, things that I want to be is like what she is every day. Like she's that super kind person, super patient. Just it's incredible. I definitely am married out of my league for sure. <laughs> so let me, you're the type A and she's the type B. You know, we're both really type A. We always talk about this. Like I'm type A in a lot of ways, but I also like to do things just to get it done really quickly. And there's like that meme going around where it's like um, the ju- the jug juice box. And it's like the kid that took it off perfectly or the kid that just like poked a hole and drank it. I don't know if you've seen it, but my wife is like, oh yeah, I definitely took it completely off. And I was like, oh yeah, I definitely just poked a hole in it. Started chugging that, you know, little juice box. <laughs> my husband makes me a better person. He's a lot more calm and, <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, he's a lot nicer. He, he explodes it a lot less. 
And like you, he grew up in the Upper Peninsula. And, and so I'm always interested in talking to people who are from the UP who've gone on to, to great things. Tell me about um, growing up in the UP uh, as an LGBTQ youth. Did you know that's who you were? Yeah, um, I, I love that he's from the UP because I rarely meet people from there. And although I'm not from there, I'm, I actually am born and raised in like in Long Island, New York. But I did move to the UP when I was 15 uh, to be at that training center. Um, and I would say like, to answer the second part of the question, like, yes and no. I think I always knew I was different. And I don't think I quite knew what that meant you know, but I remember definitely having those feelings as even like as a young kid, but just like not really getting it um, and not really seeing like someone, uh, I don't know, like I just didn't see it on TV or like didn't, that wasn't what I wanted to be. I don't know. Um, but I definitely felt different. Uh, but people in the, in the UP were so like, there was, there were people that were out and there were people that, you know, I remember people asking me if I was uh, a lesbian and I was like, oh my gosh, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a lesbian. Like, uh, what do you mean? You know? but they weren't like degrading in that way. That was the really cool thing was, um, you know, everything happens for a reason. I don't wish that I could go back in time and come out earlier just cause I think everything does unfold the way it should. But I do know hundred percent that the upper peninsula was a safe space. Like my wife and I just recently went back there for my high school reunion. And it was, it's a place that I'm so comfortable. And now that was her first time there and she immediately felt that comfort. So I, uh, the UP is a special place in my heart forever. That's so interesting because in, in the United States, we have this impression that rural areas and the UP is rural, yeah. as rural as it comes. Um, you know, that those places are inhospitable for LGBTQ people. And, and I, I've been there a couple of times with my husband to reunions or whatever. And, and I've felt people, you know, be nice, like, like you said, it's interesting to hear that you have this completely other experience of this rural area where you just, after you came out, felt accepted. Yeah. I mean, and it was something that I was so afraid of, you know, I think I was afraid to come out in the wrestling world because I didn't want to be maybe that like stereotype or, or whatever. Um, because like female wrestlers get the stereotype of being like super masculine or, you know, you, it, it's like painted a certain way. And I just, you know, didn't feel like, I guess, being put in a box. So I was really afraid to come out in the wrestling world. Um, and then like nervous, even in the UP, but it was so nice. Like even being at my high school reunion, like everybody loved my wife. It was an absolute blast. Like no, you know, weren't treated different. I mean, that's why I really love that part of the town. Cause I, I am from New York and, you know, as much as New York's very accepting, like there's also so much more people. And I, I always felt a lot of judgment, like judgment to kind of like dress a certain way or, you know, do this or to do that. Um, but in the UP, I was like, oh my gosh, I could wear pajamas every day to school and be completely comfortable. Like no one's gonna, no one's gonna care. You mentioned being a the stereotype, you know, of a lesbian wrestling. Yeah. And I, I found it interesting that in wrestling at the Tokyo Olympics, there was only one publicly out woman that, that I knew of, and that was Kayla. Mm -hmm. Why do you suppose that is that some of these other sports had many, 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 many out women, but wrestling was just one. And we looked, we tried to find more and we couldn't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <sighs> Cause I'm trying to think of other countries, you know, I know other LGBTQ athletes, but I know, I don't know if they made, I don't think they made it to Tokyo or whatnot, but yeah, it is very interesting. Cause they're, they're, they're there. Right. And they were there like 10 years ago, even when I was younger, but 
it was always something that was just like, you know, you just didn't tell anybody you I don't. And for whatever reason, that was kind of how the older generation painted it to me. Like there weren't very many out people. You really didn't speak about that. And I do think that's why I was very uncomfortable personally to not speak out as well. Um, but you know, I was like, I came out whatever, five years ago, but yeah, it is very interesting. I don't know why. And I don't know if it's because we're so like worried about what people are going to think. And I, I think it's better now. I think, you know, I came out a few years later, Kayla came out. Um, and it's not to say that there weren't people before us there, there were, I can think of two, uh, that were out. So yeah, it is pretty interesting. And I think, you know, I've gotten a lot of messages from uh, men and women about, you know, them seeing my wife and I over the years and them feeling more comfortable. And the big thing is like the, the community didn't disown me, you know, they, they ended up, you know, they love Alex and I, they're so entertained by it for whatever reason, but, um, totally accepting. So I think we're all nervous about the next step, the new chapter. So I think that's why maybe a lot of the younger girls, uh, or the older girls, I'm sorry, felt like that. I wonder how much part of it is when I talk to a lot of women in sports and then men in figure skating and they say what you say, I just didn't want to be the stereotype. Adam Rippon talked about that. I just, and here I was growing up, I'm in figure skating and I start to realize, oh my God, it's true. Yeah. (laughs) And you don't almost, he talked about just not wanting to admit that he was part of the story and, and that these other people might've been right. Yeah. A hundred percent. You have, you, you had that as well in your head. Yeah, no, definitely. I really didn't want to be the stereotype and I really just was very afraid, especially at that time in my life, very afraid of what people were going to think. And, you know, I came from like, um, just a very Catholic upbringing and it was just a lot of, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to disappoint people. I didn't want to disappoint my mom and things like that. It felt like it was going to be a disappointment uh, for not turning out the way maybe like your parents kind of envisioned. But one of the, that's one of the things that I wish that um, I could help kids see is that as you get older, you just care less and less what other people think. It's like the most, it's one of the most beautiful freeing parts of getting older that your happiness just starts to mean a lot more than, what the neighbor thinks about it oh absolutely and just even even like the energy that you surround yourself with like i mean i don't if it doesn't bring me happiness i do not feel the need to be around it i think i definitely didn't understand that when i was younger you know i just felt okay this is where who i have to hang out with this is what i got to do and even though it was so toxic so yeah i completely agree it's so nice to feel that sense of like freedom When you were wrestling in, in high school and as a youth, I imagine you were mostly wrestling boys. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. I, I wrestled boys from six years old to uh, when I was 15 and I moved to the training center. So that whole time I was wrestling guys and making the high school varsity team against guys. How it's such an interesting thing because we hear, oh, you know, girls can't compete with boys and, and, and we do have, you know, various women young women in in high school who are doing this very thing did you get hell for that did you get teased about it oh yeah for sure I mean when I started 
when I started, you could tell they really didn't maybe want me there. Like my initial reaction was, was uh, when they handed out the flyer in the first grade and I grabbed one right away because it seemed cool. And this kid in my class like ripped it out of my hands and he was like, Jenna, you can't do this. You're a girl. And I like, ripped the flyer back and I was like, oh yeah, well, watch me, you know? And I go home and I like, beg my mom and she's looking at me like I'm crazy. She's like, Jen, like you're going to be the only girl. And I looked at her and I was like, yeah, your point. And she was like, I guess I don't have one, you know? And, and then I started and I was really good at a young age for that. I think females have that natural, like tumbling ability. I think we can like, we have a better attention span at that age where you can just pick up things. So, you know, I started and I learned a few moves and started winning the tournaments. And of course, every kid loves to take home trophies. Um, now my first loss actually was to a girl. They, my parents took me to, um, like a little girls only tournament in upstate New York. And I thought this was going to be a breeze because I was like, well, I beat boys. So this should surely be easy. And my first loss, I get my butt kicked all across the mat was to a, a, to a girl. So it was kind of funny. And I realized, wow, there's other people just like me. Like there's literally other girls that are just as good, better, you know, at wrestling. Um, so that was me. It was a funny experience. And then as I got older, everyone in my like area knew who I was, knew I was to be taken serious. So I didn't really get like hell, uh, until we'd go to other States, we'd go to Jersey or Pennsylvania and they didn't know me. And I mean, like the boys were disgusted. Their dads were disgusted. Their parents were giving my parents crap for letting a girl do this. And you know, how could you allow that? You know, I think my family prides ourselves and like, we don't give a damn what you think. And, um, you know, we're just, we're here to, you know, whoop some butt kind of deal. So, uh, my parents never discouraged me after we kind of got like mistreated, I guess, and just kept rolling along. You know, we like females always have to prove herself, especially in this sport. And I think the more, um, you know, I took the sport very seriously and worked very hard at it. And then the guys had no choice, but to just accept or they were going to lose. Right. You know, (laughs) Did I just interesting that you go to this all girls tournament thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to beat everybody probably not thinking, hmm, all the other girls at this tournament are probably beating boys too. hundred percent. I, I was like, this will be easy. I mean, when I, oh, I got my butt kicked too. It wasn't like it was a close match. I got killed, <laughs> but as, as you got older, did you start to see a difference? Did the boys start to get stronger and did what, did it become harder? Oh yeah. It was extremely emotionally taxing because as hard as I worked, I just couldn't compete, compete with them much longer. You know, they were getting very strong and I had to constantly stay at the lightest weight possible to even be competitive. You know, you can't be a 150 pound female and wrestle 150 pound, you know, high school boy, it's going to feel drastically different. Um, and so, you know, I was wrestling 96 pounds in New York and barely hanging on. Right. It was hard to stay competitive with them and, and very frustrated. I had times from like seventh grade to my freshman year where I was like, I just need to quit this sport because I'm getting my butt kicked and I'm not having fun. And I, it feels impossible, you know? And then obviously like you'd go through the, the waves of the sport and just like, you know, just toughen up type deal. And then started to realize that there was more female opportunities to wrestle other females and I think my parents really took advantage of that. We'd drive all over the country so that I could wrestle females and okay, I could feel like I was competitive. How did you end up at the training center in Marquette? So I, um, my freshman year, I was on the cadet 
cadet Pan Am trip. We were in El Salvador and the coach there was the coach at Northern Michigan. And so I went to Pan Am's won that tournament and he was like, Hey, you should really consider this. Um, you know, you're, I was a freshman at the time. He was like, you know, maybe by your senior year of high school, you can come early or, you know, college. And so I was like, that sounds like an awesome thing. I knew of another, um, New York wrestler that actually went up there. So I knew it was a very good program. Um, and then by the start of my sophomore year, we get a phone call saying that one of the college girls dropped out and they're going to open up the spot for an additional high schooler because there was four at the time. It was Adeline Gray. She's a world and a world champion, Olympic silver medalist, Helen rules, Olympic champion, um, uh, Aaron Golston and Veronica Carlson. So there was the four. And so they added me as the fifth. So, I remember instantly being like, yes, I have to take this opportunity. Oh my gosh. And then I remember my mom got off the phone and we instantly cried because I realized that I was actually going to have to move away from my family, you know, as a sophomore in high school. So a lot of emotions, you know, it took a lot to be able to agree to that. Um, but ultimately I knew it was, you know, my parents have been so invested in my career since I started about making this, you know, making an Olympic team, winning an Olympic gold medal. And we knew with the limited options for female wrestling that this was going to be a fast track. And, uh, you know, it's definitely, it's paid dividends, you know, because I learned so much there on the map, but so much more with the people around me. Like it was really good for me to be in Marquette and be around that, uh, that community. What was it like, you know, just kind of immersing yourself suddenly in girls, wrestling where you had been surrounded by boys your entire career right and and we're talking I'm a sophomore in high school and I'm on the team with Helen and Adeline just made a senior world team in high school so they're not like your average high school female wrestlers they're the best in the world right and so every day getting my butt kicked by college because I'm on the team with college girls now so I'm not wrestling even high school girls I'm wrestling college girls learning new technique away from home new state like I cried every single day. I remember going to the guidance counselor, calling up my mom and being like, I cannot do this. This is crazy. I have to get up at four in the morning to be at practice at five, um, you know, and just crying every day. But right. I stayed there for four years. So it's funny because I just knew I would never quit, but it was a lot to take in all at once and to adjust and realize that these women wrestlers are no joke like they're the best in the world and the training regimen was intense <laughs> how much like what was what what was or what is your goal with wrestling it was and is it's still to be an olympic champion um, and world champion and so i missed out on the olympics just 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 barely. So, and then she, uh, Helen obviously went on to win an Olympic bronze medal. She was also the Olympic champion in 16. Um, and then I just missed out on winning the worlds and I got a bronze medal. So, um, getting closer. And I think that, I mean, that motivates me more than ever. You know, I just can't, I have that hunger. I've dreamt about this since I was a kid. And after, you know, I've beaten Olympic world champions, world bronze medalists, silver medalists. And so I know that I'm right there, but you have to put it all together on the right day. And, you know, I'm still very hungry to accomplish that, that goal. You're 28. How, how old are Olympic wrestlers? Are they in well under their thirties? They definitely have some range. I mean, we've had a lot of like 
athletes in the U.S. have success young for the men, but for the women, I would say I've seen plenty, you know, cause we've only been in the Olympics and so forth. So I've seen more of them be ages 26 to 30 than I have 25 and under, I would say. Um, and then you have Jordan Burroughs who's in his thirties. He's like 32 or something like that. Even, I think even David Taylor and Kyle Dake are 30 and then Clarissa Chun wrestled into her thirties. Um, I feel like because I didn't start out so intense with an extreme regimen as a young age, because some kids you find at five years old and they're working harder than college wrestlers. And I didn't have that upbringing at all. Like my parents, my mom didn't know anything about wrestling. Um, so I didn't have an intense upbringing in wrestling. And I think that's why I still enjoy it today. Cause I've been wrestling over 20 years and I just now feel the last couple of years, like I'm at my best. I enjoy it the most. I'm grateful for every time I step on the mat. Whereas when I was younger, it just, I felt consumed by pressure. So, you know, I'm at the tail end of my career for sure, but I'm enjoying it more than I ever have. One of the good things is that the next Olympics is only three years away and you'll be 31. So, you know, still in that range. Um, So yeah, I guess it's kind of, is it Paris or bust at this point? I I would definitely. LA in 2028. That's a long way away. Yeah, no, hopefully I'm coaching by then. <laughs> no, hopefully, uh, yeah, I'll be coaching by LA and I'll be, you know, an Olympic champion in Paris. That's the goal for sure. I love that. You, you're at the U.S. Olympic trials. Um, the U.S. is sending one person and it's you or the defending Olympic gold medalist, Helen. Yeah. <laughs> what is going through your head as you step onto the mat and approach that match? You know, I was in a very different headspace for Olympic trials. For those who don't know on the podcast, I lost my mom just less than a week before Olympic trials. So that whole tournament, it was hard for me to even show up. You know, I barely had training. I spent 29 days in the ICU with my mother. Um, So I actually wasn't going to show up to Olympic trials because I didn't feel prepared. And that felt like a disservice to my career and everything that I've worked for to just show up and not be at my best, but the stubborn in me and, and knowing that it was literally my mom's like dying wish, um, was for me to go to Olympic trials and make, you know, make the Olympic team. So I did show up and had a hell of a tournament. Um, but as I stepped on that mat, I mean, I was ready to win, you know, I I wasn't fearful and worried about my training or this and that, like, you know, I had wound up in the Olympic trial finals and I was ready to give her help kind of, you know, and I really freaking wanted it. So it was, of course, unfortunate. I was very devastated that it didn't work out, but you know, it is what it is, right? Yeah, but it, I imagine that your mom uh, would have been very proud to see you go all the way to those the final. And again, you know, the big gold medalist, the defending gold medalist, that's a tough order. And somebody who you wrestled how many times? Hundreds and hundreds of times before? <laughs> Yeah, it was, um, you know, it's funny. Like I didn't, I didn't feel any, like any bit of scared. It was just like, you know, I was ready to do the damn thing. And, and of course my mom hundred percent would be, you know, is proud. Right. You know, I, I do, do get that, but you know, it was, um, I was of course, you know, just re- really ready to, ready to win. I was enjoying every moment of that. And to, you know, I had, we had a close first match and to, to win the second, like it was, it was such an intense battle, you know, and a lot of, I think a lot of people really enjoyed that. It was just great wrestling. You know, you got the Olympic champion and then obviously I was putting together some good matches. So. That's awesome. 
what are the next, what does the next year hold for you? I mean, is this the, the world's just happened? Are you, are you in some downtime now? I am. I am into a little bit of downtime now um, because right after Olympic trials, it was like I said on world team trials, I wanted to redeem myself and make a world team. Uh, so I worked my butt off all summer to make that world team. And then I got the world bronze medal. And I also had to go through the world champion to make that uh, world team. So it was, you know, still another intense three match series with, uh, with her. Um, and so now I'm on a little bit of downtime. I'm focusing a lot more on like my mental health and just grieving because I, I talked about this lately. I've just been really struggling and didn't allow myself to grieve after I lost my mom uh, and just got right into work, focused on being as fit as I could and get ready for trials. So now I'm just taking it day by day, focusing on myself, and then I'll be getting ready to go to a military school here in January because I'm also uh, active duty in the Army. So I'm getting ready to go to my next school to be promoted to staff sergeant. So kind of just balancing wrestling while going to my military school, and then I'll jump right back into uh, training and getting ready to make another world team in 2022. Well, you have had quite a year. (laughs) I know, it feels like eternity in this one year. Yeah, I mean, most of us have had a year, but you've had a year. Well, um, well, I really appreciate you you taking the time and and you know sharing your story and and your thoughts on life. Um, there is one question that I have, one final question that I. Why do two in the Olympics anyway? And I don't know if this is the same the World Championships. Why do two people get a bronze? You know, I always find it interesting too. Like, because why don't we do the like wrestle because in the states like you lose like if you go overseas and you lose a match they that person you lose to has to care make it to the finals to carry you through um and then there's just two-thirds because it's the split side of the brackets whereas in the u.s our brackets obviously if you lose you just have to wrestle back to get third so i don't know why that is there's a lot of argument because we only have six weights in the olympics there's arguments to make it 10 weights but only have one bronze medal um but that all varies on like the metal count, what people want to do. But yeah, I don't know. That's uh, they've started doing that since uh, I believe, don't quote me, but since 08 for the women, because in 04, I believe it was just the one bronze medal. It just seems funny in every other sport, you have a bronze medal match, but in the, in the combat sports, whatever reason, it's not just wrestling. They don't. And I just, I've never gotten a good explanation of that. I know it is a good question. (laughs) Well, again, Jenna, thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, any, any, just as, as we part, how can people uh, support what you're doing? I think by just, you know, watching wrestling, I hope people get invested in this sport. Uh, it's not one of the most popular ones, but, you know, just, you know, follow me and my journey um, on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, and then just, just watch wrestling because it's a great sport and has a lot to offer, so. Yeah, thank you. And this has been a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. I hope you got a sense of Jenna from that conversation. And and when you go to social media, you'll you'll see that that's her. Just a lot of smiles, a lot of life. uh, Really fun. On Twitter and Instagram, she's the Joker JB. But if you just type in Jenna to ends Burkett, Um, That's B-U-R-K-E-R-T. And as she mentioned to me before, the second R is silent in her name. So um, interesting. She's also um, active duty military and just super proud of her. Uh, um, 
and you know we'll definitely be cheering for her ahead of the, the Paris Olympic Games, hoping she can finally get a shot at Olympic medal. Appreciate you joining us this week, and we will come back with you next week with more from Five Rings to Rule Them All. Yeah.